0: Sound Logic Podcast. Yes. Two guys with no credentials reviewing Rolling Stone 500 you... Greatest album. To electric lady. <laughs> oh boy. Welcome back everyone, and we're glad you've joined us here at the Sound Logic Podcast. Today we're discussing album number 55 on Rolling Stone Magazine's Top 500 Greatest Album list. This is Electric Ladyland by The Jimi Hendrix Experience.
1: If you've been following along, I think um, pretty much since episode one, after that little intro to what episode we're on we play the first track this might be the strangest opening track to introduce an album that we've had on this list so far
0: <laughs> yeah i think you're right it might it might be dethroned in five albums but <laughs> that's true <it's> pretty <laughs> so far <laughs>
1: Uh, it's so not far, an big track uh, yeah, that makes it, you it think is. like, "Oh, Hendrix! Oh, yeah, I love this stuff."
0: <laughs> well, uh, maybe we'll just play. Have you ever been to Electric Ladyland instead? But I guess, I guess at this point, if you're listening, you're already hearing that whatever we've decided is playing behind it. So, um, so I know that Ben, both of us grew up hearing. Hendrix on the radio and we've Mm -hmm. already talked about one of his albums earlier on the list which was are you experienced the band's debut album so I assume that you also hadn't listened to this album in its entirety before we started this
1: correct and I'm now just realizing you know I'm hinting at this first track being a bizarre one but if you're a Hendrix fan you probably hear that um I don't know weird melting of sounds for that opening number and the gods made love and just think, all right, we're about to start listening to electric lady land. Um, you probably love it. You know, uh, I, that shows my (laughs) ignorance to this artist that we're talking about here. Uh, um, and it'll be interesting to get through some of the details here, just because this is a really popular one, um, for an album that I know fairly little about. There's only a couple songs I think yeah. that would have been a part of that uh classic rock radio rotation from this album. And um so it was right. a very new experience for me and and an experience of a broader sort of musical depth to Jimi Hendrix than I was even aware existed. So um yeah it's been quite an quite an interesting journey so far.
0: My uh my experience is similar and The few songs that you mentioned that we'll get into later that are on the radio, I mean, they're on the radio quite a lot. So those few songs that we've both heard, I know them very well. Uh, I mentioned when we talked about Are You Experienced, one of the very first CDs, I want to say maybe even the first CD I ever owned. Someone got me, and I don't know why, I don't remember asking for it, Jimi Hendrix, Live at Woodstock. So that's like the oldest CD I've ever I've been listening to the longest. Um, yeah, yeah. And so that was, so his first two albums were in 67. This came out in 68 and then he played Woodstock in 69. And then he worked on one more album and it came out after his passing in 70. And I believe that was band of gypsies, uh, after the Jimi Hendrix experience. So most of his, catalog was already out when he played woodstock so all the big hits are on that uh cd or not all sorry not all of them but a lot of his big hits were there so that was i was interested in that and then later in my teens i picked up one of his greatest hits and it was a really big one that had like 25 tracks on it so uh that made me familiar with a lot of the music but i hadn't listened to the whole album before uh and so yes a lot of it was very new um Especially because, and we'll discuss this as well. It's another double album, so it's quite long.
1: Yeah, yeah. I'm uh, I'm excited to talk through some of the different dynamics of this album, not just its um, tracks, but the composition and how it was put together. And uh, I think there's lots to tackle here tonight, so we <laughs> there, better get there. Started. There is a lot. <laughs>
0: I think we should just get into some details, and we'll see as we go through that. There's as we've discussed many times, uh, we don't do you know months and months of research we do just some light research and most of its conversation but there is a we could do a lot more research and background on this because i really think he had put a lot into this album and it's very diverse but we'll do our best and uh, hendrix fans if you're upset um you know drop us a line (laughs) we'll be happy to hear what we missed and uh happy to you know Post your your email or your message on our on our Facebook page, or maybe put it in a future episode. Or you could uh, his other album with the Hendrix' experience is on this list, so you could still come on. So uh, <laughs> help us out, anyways. Mm-hmm. Let's do the details. 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 So this album was released October sixteenth, nineteen sixty eight. As I had said, this is his third album. Uh, with the Jimi Hendrix experience. The other two were both released in 67. Uh, All the tracks are written by Jimi Hendrix, except uh, Little Miss Strange was written by uh, the bassist, Noel Redding, and Come On, which was by Earl King, and uh, one of the more famous tracks on the album, All Along the Watchtower, which was a cover of a Bob Dylan tune. Uh, So all but those three are... Original, written by Jimi Hendrix. He also produced the album himself, and I believe this was his only album with the band that he produced. Uh, this album charted number one in the U.S. and number six in the U.K. And that's interesting because when we discussed his debut album with the The Experience, it was the opposite. It went to number one in the U.K
1: yeah right and I don't
0: think it went to number <laughs> one in the u s because when he started uh he he gained more ground in the u k first, but at this point in his career, well only a year later, uh he's picked up a ton of exposure in the u s mm-hmm. um this album sold about two point five million. I'm skeptical of that number because, as we'll read, this was a very successful album. And I thought it would have been a little higher, although it's not uh, nothing to to sneeze at. But uh, it, I thought it would be a little higher, about two and a half million, um, and right. that's not every country counted for, so probably higher than that.
1: It's, this is their most commercially successful release, right? So you yes. would think,
0: yes, it for is for
1: an artist as celebrated as Jimi Hendrix that it would be a little higher than that. But who knows? His career was so short. Perhaps this is just uh, what it was to be at the top for for them i don't
0: know right this was the third and final studio album for the Jimi hendrix experience as i mentioned he did go on to record one more album but a, a solo album if you will uh, a band of gypsies where he had i believe hired another band or another group of people uh, but that was released posthumously because he passed away um This is their most commercially successful release and their only number one album. So I think that really what this means is that it was more successful faster than the other albums. Um, I think that's what we're getting at. Um, A really interesting note about the production of this album, and I didn't know this because I have a few double albums and I haven't noticed this, and some of them are some of the ones I have are newer or newer pressings, but very common with multiple LP albums or multiple discs sides one and four were pressed back to back on the same platter, same disc and then sides two and three. And this was called auto coupling or automatic sequence. And they did this so that if you had an automatic record changer, it was easier to play them through in sequence. So it didn't flip the, disc over the album over it just switched to the next album so it would take the first one play side one then grab the next one and play side two then you'd flip them both over it would play side three and switch to the next disc and play side four Uh, so that's kind of interesting and because of that some of the cd releases that came later Uh, incorrectly have the sides in the wrong order one four two three because of the way that the discs were so that's kind of a funny piece of trivia but just in the the things we don't even think about in the way because of technology right well they did it because of the automatic changer yeah well and
1: so which is true then if if the discs if the original lps have them that way it would be the label that would say which side you're listening to not the actual side of the record
0: so exactly so it so on the <laughs> listing on the <laughs> it, it has nothing to do with where they are it's what they right. labeled it so yeah it would say side one and side four even though like it, it doesn't matter but i guess it's indicating to the consumer what order you should listen to listen to that's it right. that's right that's right and then in, it would have been listed on the on the sleeve, one, two, three, four. So kind of an interesting thing, and something I hadn't thought about because I didn't grow <laughs> up with that medium, and I didn't grow yeah. up with that technology. Of even now, I have a I have a player, but it's not an automatic changer, um, right? Which I don't have the collection or the space for <laughs> right now. Right, right. Another interesting album cover. Mm -hmm. and again there's ones it's another one that has different uh pictures or different covers depending on what country was released in but the u.s one is is a is a colored image of just his face as far as i can see there's no writing on it we've seen this before where it's just a picture but it's him singing with his eyes closed and it's a lot of yellows and reds um and it's kind of a what do you say? A picture that's been painted over sort of thing? Um,
1: yeah. It, in the still... Instagram world that we live in, it would be a, a filter that would. Uh, uh, well, get it we oh, thanks. Of, uh, Thank you. <laughs> <laughs>
0: um, uh,
1: it almost looks like he's on fire. You know, reds, oranges, like yellows.
0: He looks electric. Yeah.
1: Yeah. <laughs> I think so. Fits
0: with the theme.
1: <laughs> maybe that's the uh, the the uh, label for voodoo chili sauce.
0: That's how you say that, right? <laughs> voodoo chili, yeah, voodoo chili. That's a, That's a good song. <laughs> or it's Chile. Um, <laughs> the sto- The story here on the album cover is that Hendrix had written to Reprise Records describing what he wanted on the album and that he was ignored. He asked for a color photo to be taken by Linda Eastman, who would eventually marry Paul McCartney, become Linda McCartney. Um, He wanted a photo of the group sitting with children on a sculpture uh, that's from the story Alice in Wonderland that's in Central Park. And he drew a picture of it (laughs) and sent it (laughs) with his letters as a reference. And the company uh, instead decided to use a blurred red and yellow photo of his head uh, that was taken by Carl Ferris while he was performing at Seville theater. Uh, so they totally ignored what he wanted. <laughs> <laughs> and then track records, which I believe was the company that released the album in the UK use its art department who produced a cover image by another for- photographer named David Montgomery, who also shot, um, the inside cover portrait of Hendrix and this depicted 19 nude women uh, lounging in front of a black background. Um, <laughs> <laughs> and that is uh, the Jimi Hendrix experience electric lady land says at the bottom. And it's one of those ones where you open up the gatefold and look at so it front to back wraps around. Yeah. Yeah. So you're looking, so the front is actually on the right and the backs on the left, but it's a huge photo of all these naked women. Um, Hendrix expressed initial displeasure uh, and surprise with the Naked Lady cover, but later he told Rolling Stone magazine that uh, he dug it anyway. (laughs) He was like, "Ah, I looked at it for a while and I kind of liked it. Uh, The cover was banned by several record dealers and labeled as pornographic, while others sold it uh, with the gatefold cover turned inside out. So they just flipped it over so you just saw it was on the inside. Or they just wrapped it in brown, a brown wrapper and wrote on it. So, um, yeah. I, I guess we can't post that on Facebook without yeah. some major uh, censoring. Try and, yeah,
1: try and sneak a, it into one of those... Um, uh, album cover challenges that are going around right now, and see, sure. see if it gets pick, flagged.
0: Pick collage. We'll see what happens.
1: Uh, can can we gram it? Are there are there? Oh, I don't know. They're all owned by the same. They're owned by the same company.
0: <laughs> okay, so uh, four sides. Uh, side one, uh, and the gods made love. Have you ever been to Electric Ladyland?? To ladyland? Cross Town traffic? Voodoo child. Not voodoo Chile or Chile. Side two is Little Miss Strange, Long Hot Summer Night, Come On. Gypsy Eyes, Burning of the Midnight Lamp, Side 3, Rainy Day, Dream Away, 1983
1: A Merman I Should
0: Turn To Be Moon Turn The Tides Gently Gently Away Side 4 Still Raining Still Dreaming House Burning Down All along the
1: Watchtower
0: And Voodoo Child Sight Return and then it says, I think on the U.S. version, it's Voodoo Child. C H I L D.
1: Oh, really? Oh, interesting. Hmm.
0: Yeah, and and the uh, the U.K. was Voodoo Child. So, I, I, I mean, I think Child means Child. Like, I think right. it's this. It's the same. Whether that's another way of saying it or slang or whatever. I want to start in this way a little different but i i want to read just a little summary of the tracks and then we'll talk about them because i think this really (laughs) expresses them well this was just a little snippet i took from an article um electric ladyland is a cross-section of hendrix's wide range of musical talent it includes examples of several genres and styles of music the psychedelic burning of the midnight lamp Uh, which was a UK single the previous summer and then also the extended blues jam of Voodoo Child the New Orleans style R&B of Earl King's Come On the epic studio production of 1983 A Merman I Should Turn to Be the social commentary of House Burning Down and the 60s era Britpop of Noel Redding's Little Miss Strange The album also features an electric reworking of the Bob Dylan classic All Along the Watchtower, which has been well-received by critics as well as by Dylan himself. And also Voodoo Child's Slight Return, a staple of both radio and guitar repertoire. Um, And Rolling Stone's Holly George Warren praised Crosstown Traffic for its hard guitar rock riff. Um, So I think that just kind of expresses the many different styles we talked with the diversity um, a couple more notes here on just some specific tracks um, all along the, the watchtower became the band's high selling single and their only u.s top 40 hit peaking at number 20 and it reached number five in the uk and the album also included one of hendrix's most prominent uses of a wah-wah pedal uh, on the previously mentioned burning of the midnight lamp which reached number 18 on the uk charts so that's kind of just a little overview on some of the tracks um and that uh that wawa thing at the beginning of voodoo child i think anybody who buys a wawa pedal with your electric that's like the first thing you try to do (laughs) yeah like that you know you've heard that everywhere everybody like oh hey i gotta watch check this out you know like everyone tries <laughs> to do that because it's not that hard and there's no notes um i can tell you because i have one and i haven't played it a lot because it's really hard to make it sound good mm-hmm. <laughs> so to play the actual notes and play that you know that's let me tell you folks it's not easy <laughs> Absolutely. there's a there's very there's a lot of finesse to it um you know if if you don't want to just sound like a bunch of psychedelic garbage but um anyways (laughs) uh (laughs) so that that's me just reading a bunch of stuff but what what would you want to say about some of these tracks ben
1: Uh, i this sort of um genre jumping here caught me completely by surprise i I think my head had Jimmy as a guitar virtuoso mm. with sort of tr- not traditional, but, but fairly classic rock sounding tracks with this like really impressive guitar over top of it. Right. There is so much different stuff going on here. Like yeah, I, I found absolutely. myself having to like pause every once in a while just to like say, okay, what did I just listen to? Um, there, yeah. There are tracks too here that, that don't make me think Jimi Hendrix at all <laughs> no, and not just because they're psychedelic but because they're like completely different genres mm-hmm. um, uh, Little Miss Strange is maybe the one that jumped out the, at me the most because it me is too. so um, uh, I don't know, one of these things is not like the others
0: yeah Oh, totally, um, absolutely
1: it, it feels very much like a kind of uh, I don't know where, where would you peg that in the sort of like
0: well, I, I think that in that article, the '60s era Brit pop. I, I think that you know that yeah, hit Danelle right, on yeah, the head. Yeah. It, it's pretty way popular and I noticed it right away. And I did one of those things. I don't know if you've done this because. Spotify has a tendency sometimes to kind of jump outside of the album that you've selected. Right, right. Uh, so I, I went back to my computer because I was doing something else like, oh, it's jumped out to another album again. This isn't even Jimi yeah. Hendrix. and I, Oh no, it still is. But I mean, I'm pretty sure that's a Noel, <laughs> a Noel Redding a vocal. It's not a Jimi Hendrix vocal Yeah. on that album. Right. And the the whole structure right. and sound of the song, except for uh Hendrick, some of Hendrix his guitar, guitar is still playing. crunching yeah. all the way
1: through the guitar playing <laughs> yeah. on the yeah. breaks
0: he has some solos on the breaks um and that sounds like him but for the most part it, it yeah it sounds like a totally different band it's it's very poppy yeah um you think about some of those other uh popular British bands in the 60s it sounds like that so
1: I, I think when we've had double albums in the past. Um, It's often been when an artist is at, uh, you know, further on in their career and they have the freedom to be a bit more experimental. Um, I feel myself wanting to play the role of the producer a little bit, similar to, I think, how you felt when we listened to the White Album. Hmm. Um, Mm -hmm. Sort of like, you know, fellas, did you need a double album here? You probably (laughs) had one really solid album of music. why did we need all this other stuff and I I find myself with this one feeling the same way Um, we've already referenced the very first opening track in the Gods Made Love it's quirky and cool I guess and kind of interesting but nothing there makes me think Guitar Virtuoso or Jimi Hendrix or sets a tone for the album um, other than it's kind of weird and there's a lot of stuff kind of peppered throughout here where I think like really that's that's the best use of vinyl um and and so yeah i i but i think the other piece and i will sort of temper that with this every time i listen to this record i think wow there's something there that i didn't catch the time before and i wonder if that's what has elevated this to something that is great and and perhaps um since i am so new to this maybe i just need a little bit more time to kind of let itself grow on me um there is some really cool stuff here that I don't think, you know, if I were the producer of this album, I wouldn't want to so quickly throw out. Um, So, so yeah, I kind of go back and forth, I guess, with the, the amount of music we have here, whether it's all worthy of being included and, and why, I guess that's a big question in my mind too. Why, why make an album like this that feels so conceptual, but doesn't really tie itself together all that well? Why throw so many different genres and sounds all in the same palette? Um, uh, it, it reminds me of a couple of the compilation albums that we've listened to that, that feel clearly like they were not from the same era of an artist's career. Right. Um, And yet this is all from 1968 when he, you know, it's all him in the studio. And,
0: uh, yeah, uh, yeah. Many times you hear an artist, if you listen to a span, you know, their whole career, maybe even their first 10 or 15 years, if their band that, you know, comes out of the gate really fast, like Jimi Hendrix did, where they had been, he came out with, the Jimi Hendrix experience and their first album with just some dynamite songs, like some, like that album Mm -hmm. is just stacked, uh, did very well on the radio. He did another album and then they do a third album all within like a 24 month span um, when you look right. at when you look at a ten year period of of a band, you know they kind of they start off hot, then they might go in a bit of a direction that doesn't work, and then they come back, and then they kind of smooth out. You look at the trajectory over a long period of time, you kind of see where they honed in their their skill, their taste, their signature sound. I don't know that Jimi Hendrix ever got a chance to do that. And if he had released another Mm, five Mm. to ten albums, we might have heard that this was, you know, he tried a few different things and one or two of those things stuck. And he went back to that and he never did them again. But we can't say that because this was his last album with this band. It was his second last album ever. So maybe that would have been the case too, that, he tried a bunch of, he threw a bunch of things against the wall to see which would stick. <laughs> and he never got a chance to mm-hmm. make the conclusion. Uh, I think that, I, yeah, yeah. You know, that that's an interesting one because uh, we, we don't, we don't know whatever would have happened. And we've talked about this again too, Ben, The the, the creative explosion that was happening in the late sixties. And I imagine that these people, whether it was, just the era or the drugs or the energy of all the other bands. But there was just this constant churning of music and art and material, like three albums in two years. Like we're lucky to get three albums in a decade from our favorite bands right now. Uh, You know, like um, so I think that there's so much going on with these artists that they go into the studio and they're just trying so many different, Hey man, what if we tried this on this track? Or I've been thinking one that's a little more bluesy or this one's going to be a little more R and B, you know, yeah, 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 let's try this. And they're all just doing so many different things. And Jimi Hendrix who had so much creativity, I mean, he wasn't, he wasn't a one trick pony. And I think we would have seen that even more and more as if his career had expanded further we would have seen Mm -hmm. how many other things he was capable of uh but but that's my take on it but i i definitely felt that as well ben that it was just like there was a lot of different things sometimes i didn't know what direction i was going in um Mm -hmm. i listened to like you know a three or four minute kind of bluesy bop and then i'd be stuck in a 13 or 14 minute uh blues epic you know and I was kind of like where am I you know like felt a little lost
1: (laughs) I agree and I don't think it's because it's bad either Uh, it just feels like uh like I can't get into a groove (laughs) right and um, there are some tracks here that definitely like make me think oh that's definitely Jimi Hendrix even the ones I don't know and others where I just don't know what's what's happening at all um it's really fascinating and, and a really interesting art album to tackle for that reason, I think. Absolutely. One thing I would say, if you are a listener who has not listened to this yet, um, I highly recommend listening to it on a good stereo that has a clear sense of left and right. Yes. Or with your headphones on so that you can get a picture of the way that they have um, engineered the sound to move Absolutely. throughout the album. Absolutely. Um, There's a a couple of really interesting – I don't know that they're documentaries, but but members of the band talking about the production of this album Um, and lots of stuff written on the fact that Jimmy himself never felt like they were able to get the stuff that he had in his head to make it sound exactly like he wanted. Uh, Sounds a little bit like – when Bruce Springsteen was trying to make, uh, born to run that, you know, uh, spend months and months and months and still doesn't quite get to the thing that you've Uh got crystallizing in your mind. Um, but one of the things that, that, uh, I forget if it was a bass player or someone else in the band was talking about was the, um, the mix that they were going for was, the sort of psychedelic one that would swirl around you. And it often does on the album, but he said they also found accidentally that they were bumping into this phenomenon that happens with music where if you play one tone next to another occasionally they will cancel each other out and this is the technology i guess that is used today in noise canceling headphones and some other things and there's lots of interesting youtube videos uh, with two speakers where you know they'll put a buzzing sound on one side and the same sound on the other side and it'll just get twice as loud Uh, they'll reverse the polarity of the way the sound is coming in and instead of uh one sound adding to a uh, second sound and making it twice as loud, they actually cancel each other out. The sound waves, the way they travel through the air, huh. um, end up end up distorting the sound almost down to nothing. And um, both Jimmy and a couple of the members of the band felt like even the final mix of this album is muddy at times mm. because the way that the swirling sound ends up playing cancels out some of oh, the... Shoot. Um, eccentricities that they were trying to add in <laughs> so it's a really i think like just and the sort of origin of stereo music and what they were realizing in the late 60s was even possible they're doing like just incredibly brilliant stuff here with the limitations of technology at the time but they're also discovering that sometimes sound does things that we can't even control <laughs> right um, yeah and so you get these like volume changes on this album uh or fades in and out and i don't always know whether that was um, because they wanted it to be that way or because of something in the way the mix actually brings the levels uh to a different point um it's really really fascinating and i think of the albums we've listened to so far i would say this is one of the most captivating uh albums from the sort of Sonic level of things Just the way that um, A a great track specifically If you want to just go right away um, It's only a minute long Moon, turn the tides, gently, gently away Right Uh, There's no words Uh, And I don't even know that it's like a full band But the sound kind of starts in one side of your headphones and swirls to the other at times it feels like something is like I I don't know, like a UFO is kind of spinning around you. Um, it's, it's baffling and, and magical and I don't know, all kinds of things all at once. And, um, and really pretty genius. Uh, and you you would miss that, I think, if you were listening to it on, like, the cheap speaker on your cell phone. Or, oh, yeah, for sure. Uh, you know, something like that. It would just sound like uh, a MIDI file of a spaceship taking off
0: or something <laughs> like that. <laughs> it's it's what our teachers in grades two played us as, like, Halloween spooky music. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> something like that, yeah. Um, yeah. I totally you mean the doors. <laughs> <laughs> that's great. That doesn't get old. <laughs> that's our next t-shirt. And, oh, that's our that's our seasonal special Halloween t-shirt, and it's just the doors. <laughs> Halloween music. Um, mm. uh, I wanted to talk for a minute if we could about uh, the two voodoo child tracks. So it sounds yeah. to me, what happened here and it, it sounds like it's a live recording and it it is, but it's in the studio. So if I'm reading correctly, uh, they were jamming with other bands and performers in New York and they invited a bunch of people back to the studio. Because it doesn't sound like a lot of people. You hear, you know, a few people clapping, it's not like they're at a big <laughs> arena or anything it's like a couple guys you know but it's like well that's not right because Jim Hendrix in 68 wouldn't have performed like in a club with 20 people but they had 20 people back and that's why voodoo child is uh does have some of those live elements because there were other people there and they just had them in the studio with the microphones on so they could hear all those things and it's almost a 15 minute like jam track <laughs> blues jam track um and that's not the song that you and i would have been familiar with that's the last song on the album right. voodoo child right. flight return right. and that's kind of if you will the radio edit <laughs> that's the one i'm familiar mm-hmm. and that's with that classic whak, 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 whak sound at the beginning um that every every guy who's ever bought a wah-wah pedal has tried to emulate uh, as soon as they take it out of the package um, with that cool riff at the beginning and that's the one that I am familiar with Uh, and is such an iconic use of that particular piece of technology I don't know if if it's as an iconic Hendrix song as some of his more popular singles but the opening riff and those sounds are sort, like, even if you don't know what it's called, I think most people are familiar with that. I know for years I knew it mm-hmm. before I knew what it was called.
1: Yeah. Mm-hmm.
0: Mm-hmm. Was that familiar to you at all?
1: Definitely the uh, the radio edit, as you said.
0: <laughs> right. Um, yeah. I, yeah. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I, I need to spend a bit more time with the album to sort of feel the connection between the two. Right now, they feel <sighs> separate to me. Um,
0: well it's almost like voodoo child's like return is like an afterthought like because it's at the end of the album it's like well I, I don't know it's again i don't know much of the background of it but it just seems strange yeah is it the same
1: chord progression just played in a different way or the... uh, i don't know i'm, I'm speculating wildly right now
0: yeah the long version of the track is the first off i'll say the tempo is much slower yes it's way slower um it's it feels more like a more like a blues jam tune it's just got it swing i think it swings a little more than slight return Slight return is, is is it's a lot harder. It's very hard, straight up and down. Like it's almost got a one-two feel. Ding, 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 bah, bah. Whereas the the longer version is is really swings. Um, mm-hmm. Got that. Uh, dun, 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 but even slower, right? So, anyways, mm-hmm. uh, yeah. But you almost <laughs> you almost forget about the other one's coming up because that one like it's oh, it was 15 minutes long it's, it's yeah it's, it's sprawling yeah. like you know yeah. it's it's again just interesting you hear some of these blues rock guys do this in the late 60s they just have this i don't know you call it creative freedom call it indulgence but it's like they do some concise you know you have okay this like you have the song before this is cross sound traffic which is like a short it's two minutes and 25 seconds it's like you can hear that on the radio for sure it's boppy it's 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 tight it's it's bright uh it's fun and then you've got a slowed down like blues season. 15 minute blues jam after this it. It is like,
1: and then you jump into it, uh, the Brit Pop Invasion,
0: yeah, uh, a <laughs> uh, song by a different guy, <laughs> you know. So, like, again, the choices here are interesting. Yeah. I don't want to yeah. say that they don't work, and I don't want to say that they're not good because I don't think either of those statements would be true, but it's just very interesting right. choice. I think this is his most okay. uh, creative or at least experimental, and I mean. I mean, uh, even his first album was very experimental, but it seemed way more controlled and concise. Like, the guitar work was experimental, but I think we say that only because it was so new. What he was doing with the guitar was like, for most people, was brand new, and nobody else played like that. Nobody else really did something that exciting until, you know, Eddie Van Halen came along. Um, So, and, and, you know, people will argue that, but... Uh, I read that um, Jimi Hendrix plays uh, a self-made, homemade kazoo on Crosstown Traffic. <laughs> so oh. that funny sound that's behind everything. He's playing a kazoo yeah. as well that he made. <laughs> Was is, it, that is, like, it
1: a, is it a guitar line that he does the kazoo over top of, or is it his voice in the kazoo? Oh, I, sound?
0: That's cool, huh? It sounds like all three. It sounds like guitar, vocal, and kazoo all at once. (laughs) Again, like a really interesting choice. It sounds cool, (laughs) but it's It's really cool. Like, is that the classic um, uh, comb elastic band and wax paper combo? (laughs) (laughs) must be. Uh, your mom's a, a kindergarten teacher, retired kindergarten teacher. Maybe that's one that she's whipped up with the kids before. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I'm sure. Absolutely. Um, yeah, it's, it's just, just uh, like you said, almost feels like a, a miss, mishmash of tunes at times. Um,
1: yeah, there are some interesting efforts to try and tie things together. Like you, you've got... Um, Uh, rainy day dream away uh the 10th track and then uh still raining still dreaming a few tracks later so there are these like things that remind you okay this is all still part of the same set of songs (laughs) um but yeah it's really really interestingly
0: (laughs) designed um we talked uh, very briefly about burning the midnight lamp um Which has that again? That the beginning is a doubling. The that melody or that riff is on one head side. You know, on the right side you've got the wah 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 wah, wah. and on the other side it's the same thing being played on like a harpsichord type sound, (laughs) which is very interesting. But that opening line, I know I've heard that before, long before I knew it was Jimi Hendrix. But I think any time in the last. 40 years you've needed like a little tune uh, you know in like a, a 60s drug scene of a muse, of a movie like that's probably one of the five tracks you draw on <laughs> so I know I've heard it places out of context where I wouldn't know it was Jimi Hendrix I'm sure I've heard that riff before before I knew it was a Hendrix song <laughs> but I didn't even know it was called burning of the midnight lamp it's like trippy It's in a room with a bunch of pillows and beaded curtains. (laughs) That's the scene. (laughs) Yeah.
1: (laughs) It's so interesting and really bounces around. Um, Gypsy Eyes for me is another surprise that I, that I really liked. It's got kind of a um, sort of Southern jam band kind of vibe. Uh, I think when we yeah. went through the Alman Brothers I referenced my appreciation for North Mississippi All Stars. It's got kinda of their uh Southern uh,
0: Absolutely funk rock
1: sound there. It's one more one yeah, more genre I... in the pot.
0: <laughs> <laughs> Say that again. Southern fried funk rock. <laughs> I like <laughs> yeah, I like that. Like that. <laughs> um and that um that drum where it's like it's the beginning is all with the feet so it's like a uh, bass pedal and, and the hi-hat pedal yeah like there's you, it doesn't get into the sticks till later um, and I read that uh, that's one that uh, Jimi Hendrix had Mitch Mitchell do like 50 takes of that drum line <laughs> on gypsy eyes uh he, where he was kind of a perfectionist uh that's one yeah you, you crosstown traffic and gypsy eyes i think these two were on that really big um compilation greatest hits album. I have, so i was familiar with those all along watchtower are we ready for that one
1: sure um I'm glad that they that Jimmy included a cover of a U2 song on this album. <laughs> um, uh, I don't know how he was able to yeah, tell. This that, the one that they uh, ten years in the future. This is the one they, they, they wrote and
0: they, they played it under a bridge, right? <laughs> <laughs> uh,
1: yeah, so uh, this is an interesting song here. All along the Watchtower, I think I read that that was his um best-selling single of his career is all along the watchtower um which is not even a hendrix tune it's a cover
0: i never get old of hearing this song um the the way he plays the lead guitar at the beginning like just that's so i've tried to emulate that and whether i'm just not good enough or i don't have the right effects it's like it just sounds so crazy the way he does it but the the solos in between the verses are just so wild it almost sounds like a led zeppelin tune like the way there's that solo in between the verses that jimmy page did a lot and um when you listen to the bob dylan tune which i have heard before it's just like it's just like a it's a straight up bob dylan tune where it's just yeah, almost the same volume it's just him it's just him doing poetry in the form of a song right just verse verse yeah. verse 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 it's just a, it's a narrative right and he takes yeah. it and does it in a very different way here and um like we mentioned like dylan th- this song is bob dylan approved he <laughs> he, uh, he did like it but um this i feel like i've heard this song on the radio as much as any other Jimi hendrix song yeah um, and uh, also, um, I don't know about you, but growing up, a movie that we watched almost all the time, whether it was age appropriate or not, you decide, was Forrest Gump. And <laughs> we also had <laughs> we had the Forrest Gump soundtrack. It was two discs. Uh, and I listened to that one all the time. But I yeah. was always disappointed because there are two Jimi Hendrix songs in forest gum all along the watchtower is during their they're walking it's a scene where they there's an overhead shot of them walking through the the kind of the swamps in vietnam on yeah. patrol and they play all along the watchtower and then uh the second song is hey joe what uh, he has a confrontation at a a, a a vietnam war protest in in dc with Uh, jenny's old boyfriend and they start playing hey joe just as he's about to lose his crap and beat him up um (laughs) and neither of those jimi hendrix songs are on the official soundtrack uh or the cds rather um which i was also disappointed with yeah no they're not interesting Um,
1: because they immediately transport me to the moment like just in you know the first few lines of all along the watchtower i'm i'm thinking about vietnam They immediately <laughs> transformed a- into that
0: movie. <laughs> um, <laughs> well, when I, hear, when I hear... Whenever I hear Fortunate Son by CCR... Yeah. I yep, imagine a helicopter landing because that's the scene where you <laughs> see that he's in Vietnam and the helicopter comes down. Like, you know, they... Um, I think even on the... On the cover of the album for that soundtrack, it says like... Uh, Forrest Gump, you know, the sound soundtrack of of America or the music of American history or something like that. Like because really Forrest Gump is the it follows the life of of any American through those those formative years like through the the 50s and 60s and 70s and 80s like it's it's any Amer- it could be any American growing up in that time. that's Um, that's what Forrest Gump is is supposed to be and the music that they've chosen in that movie is like really really encapsulates it very well but that yeah I'm with you I cannot hear many of them but this one all along the watchtower without thinking about that scene in that movie Um, maybe that's just because how obsessively we watched it (laughs) growing up
1: yeah so we've referenced um, this is a Dylan song that uh, Hendrix made better <laughs> um, that uh, also yeah also appears I on so. uh, on U 2s uh, Rattle and Hum album, and right, that's right. Also yeah. on the movie as well. Mm-hmm. Uh, D- 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 Dave Matthews, the C do version of All Along the Watchtower. Oh, I'm sure he does. He's got about a billion live albums. He probably threw it in somewhere. Uh, <laughs> I don't know. That's another name that came to mind.
0: Well, the C- Central Park concert, but they like. They've released more live albums than they've released studio albums. (laughs) Yeah. Right. Those guys. Right. And bootlegs and stuff. Yeah. Um yeah, covered covered many times, but I think when you hear a cover, like it's done in this version, in this style. Yeah. It's not done the way that Dylan did it. It's done this way. So um I like I do like the way Edge does it. It's very like it's very simple. He's kind of dumbed down the like just barring the chords but it's uh and of course with with bono's vocal it's uh, that is that is pretty good once again a reminder we have a spotify playlist it's if you're having trouble finding it it's called uh, SoundLogic logic favorites right, it's got our logo there and we pick two tracks off of every album that we review so what track would you pick for our playlist here ben
1: uh, I'll let you go first this time. I feel like you often oh, ask me, you so that,
0: go do ahead. Do that all the time. No, you just <laughs> uh, okay. <laughs> um, oh man, I I got to pick all along the Watchtower. It's uh, okay. It's great. It's that's, so that's uh, a good one. Maybe wait. What one are you going to pick? Uh for me, I
1: think I'm going to have to go cross town traffic.
0: Okay. Wow. Those are two pretty good. I, yeah, I'm happy with those. Okay, let's move on before I change my mind. <laughs> Sounds good. I think in general, just a overall comment before we move on to yeah. our concluding sections here. I found this album more challenging to listen to than Are You Experienced? But I appreciate uh, the exploration of Jimmy's sound on this album, even though sure. it's not uh, quote as radio friendly as are you experienced. Uh, he does. He, like I said, he's, he's expanding what he can do. He's showing us his range as a musician. And I think again, if we had seen him go on into his career into further albums past this and, and band of gypsies, of course, I think we really would have seen him fine tune, what he does best sure. or or do a yeah. bunch of different things. I, I think he was showing us that he wasn't a one-trick pony, even though he was a ridiculously talented guitarist and songwriter, that he had a lot more to offer. And I think this is a a not just a I say a glimpse, but not just a glimpse. It's a really good representation of the different styles he could do and that he could write good songs and that he could be innovative in the studio. Like he produced this. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of really interesting production on this album. Like we talked mm-hmm. about the stereo sounds there's, there's really like kind of wacky stuff like, and uh, the gods made love and the um, moon turned the tides, uh, really interesting, creative stuff. So yeah, it's, uh, it's different, but it, it's good. Absolutely. Uh, so, Without further ado, <laughs> given all that and all the different stuff, is is this still relevant? What do you think, Ben?
1: Oh man, I I think Jimi Hendrix is always going to be relevant as long as the electric guitar is still being used in in rock music. Um, this one feels to be less relevant, I think, than Are You Experienced, simply because I think it's a little bit more experimental, I guess. Mm-hmm less relevant for the the rock genre, maybe more relevant for people who are interested in pushing the boundaries of what music can be and totally and more agree. relevant for, for people who like the sort of production side of music um, mm-hmm. to be able to look at late sixties technology and what they were able to do with sound movement is, uh, that's hugely relevant I think um, so I would say, I would sort of classify it differently for different aspects of the album <laughs> uh, if, yeah. if if we're allowed to do that
0: <laughs> no I, I think you're right and I think uh, it's more relevant for the person who's just an avid listener of classic rock or of Jimmy versus the person who wants to play the stuff Um, And I think that, like I said, like in terms of relevancy, you know, like I said, with the Wawa pedal, anybody who's ever bought that piece of equipment is going to try and play the opening to Voodoo Child. Right. I think that Voodoo Child and Crosstown Traffic and all along the Watchtower uh, are still radio staples uh, 50 years later, as we've talked. Um, And if only to... Rock blues and electric guitar players this these songs and this album is still as relevant as the day it was released um, I think that some of the longer and more experimental tracks might be more difficult to ingest, especially by you know the general public or the the casual rock listener but I think uh even even despite that it's still extremely relevant, especially for those who are into. Playing this kind of music, yeah. Well, so if you're an electric guitar player, uh, I mean Jimi Hendrix is one of the the gods of electric guitar. Like, mm-hmm. if you're taking it seriously, even if you're just self-taught, but certainly if you're going through lessons, at some point you're going to do Jimi Hendrix stuff. And at some point, if you start getting into more equipment and and effects and like a wah-wah pedal or other technology, you're going to be emulating Jimmy stuff. So that, I yep. mean, that will be relevant forever. Yeah, agreed. agree. Uh, so we get down to the, the pivotal question. Was this <laughs> sound logic? So this is number album, number 55, 55 best album. Uh what do you think? Does it deserve to be here at 55?
1: Um, you know what? I think the longer I listen to this album, the more I'll want to bump it up the list. I just have this feeling that this this is going to be one that grows on me over time. Right now, I think I'm fairly happy with it being where it is. Um, but my hunch is that it's it's that kind of album. So... Uh, I, I could see it going higher, perhaps, if you ask me again in a few months. But um, for right now, I'm I'm fine with it being right here. How about you?
0: <laughs> I feel about the same. I like it here. Um, I feel like it doesn't have as many hits or maybe I'll say recognizable songs as Are You Experienced? Yeah. But right. on the other hand, it was more successful as an album and became more successful quicker. And that might be because he was uh, the band was better known at this point in their career a year later and there's some absolute gems here but i think that i think it's appropriate and i think that as a debut our your experience really kind of just is so significant um and it's absolutely stacked as well so yeah i'm okay with it here i'm glad it's here uh before we get you know, through we're we're gonna. This band had three albums. Before we get to hundred, we're gonna have discussed all three. So, <laughs> <laughs> not too shabby. Uh, which which of course leads us into you know we always ask are there any other albums? So we've already talked about. Are you experienced? Uh, by the Jimi Hendrix Experience, that was number sixteen. This is fifty-five, and then their second album, Axis Bold as Love," comes in at number eighty-three. So, before too long, we'll be talking about that one too.
1: Right? Is that one you're familiar with? I'm not, and no. it's making nope. me wonder: is it lean more towards "Are You Experienced" or a little bit more experience, uh, a little bit more innovative like this one? I'm, I'm not sure. Maybe somewhere I in guess. the middle.
0: We're going to have to find out. Yeah. (laughs) And we will. I have a feeling it's more like this one. Okay. But we'll we'll find out. We'll have to wait and see. In like six months. (laughs) Something like that. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Cool. Well, as usual, my friend, it's been a pleasure. Absolutely. And uh, we want to thank you for listening along. Feel free to follow us on Facebook. We also post a little bit on Twitter and Instagram, SoundLogicPod or Sound Logic Podcast, And we hope you join us next time when we discuss album number 56. Uh, ben, what do we have next on the list here?
1: Well, if you remember back all the way up at number 11, we had uh, The Sun Sessions, a collection of Elvis Presley recordings. And at that time, we wondered why they didn't have Elvis's debut album in that slot. And so, finally, uh, the wait is over. Number 56, Elvis Presley's uh, self-titled debut album will be our next one that we tackle here on the Sound Logic
0: Podcast. Well, I look forward to it. And until then, we want to thank you for listening to the Sound Logic Podcast, and we'll talk to you next time. Absolutely. Be well.